Hey everyone, welcome to Making the Hedge Apologetics. Uh, tonight is going to be a special night, uh, part two, followed up with Pastor Drew Elrod. Uh, we're answering the question, can you be saved simply by believing uh, the red letters of Jesus Christ within the Gospels? Let's get into it. Make sure today that you leave this place knowing that you are saved to the glory of God what the scriptures teach. I think the Bible does teach that God desires the salvation of all men. He has provided uh, for uh, the, the salvation of all men. And therefore, anyone who, who ends up under the wrath of God, it is because they have rejected his provision for them. And they are justly punished for their sins. question that seeks to provide an answer to this question, for whose sins did Jesus die? The extent of the atonement asks the question, for whose sins did Jesus die? There are only two answers, two possible answers to that question. Either Jesus died for the sins of some people, or Jesus died for the sins of all people. All right, hey, thanks again for tuning in with us tonight. I know we're running a little bit late. Um, I do work a secular job, and we've been uh, working some long hours lately, so... Um, I appreciate you, uh, Pastor Elrod, for um, sticking with it and uh, being willing to push it back, um, you know, later than what we had agreed on. So, appreciate that, man. Yes, glad to be here. It, it could be a lot worse. We could be watching the second Democrat debate. But, Did you? Uh, oh, my God. That's so here, true. So this is profitable time. You know what? There were, uh, there were a lot of good memes from that thing, so... Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good, uh, just some clips there, but yeah, that was good. So yeah, not the democratic debate, but at least uh, it's going to be something that's worth talking about. So, but anyway, so we're just going to jump into it. Uh, you all should be familiar with uh, Pastor Elrod. Uh, the last time that we spoke, we really just kind of gave an overview of uh, the topic that we are discussing, um, which is answering that question: Can you be saved by simply believing the red letters of Jesus Christ? Um, within the four Gospels. That is, uh, simply put, what did Jesus teach about salvation? And uh, can you be saved by simply believing what Jesus taught about salvation um, today? So, uh, last week was the overview. Today we're going to get a little bit more specific and uh, specifically dive into where we left off in Matthew 19 with the rich young ruler. What was Jesus actually teaching this guy about salvation? And uh, how does it apply to us? Um, so we'll get into that, but there's also a couple other questions that we're going to answer. Uh, when I talked to Pastor Elrod the, um, on Twitter, we had messaged back and forth, hey, what are we going to do this round? Obviously, Matthew 19, we agreed on that. Uh, but the other aspect of what we wanted to get into was uh, when the body of Christ started, what the gospel of the kingdom is, what the mystery of Christ is, and uh, obviously Matthew 19, and, and uh, try to transition into that in the early part of Acts. Um, then the last thing that you've got on here is, um, what do I believe about things spoken and uh, things hidden in God? Are they the same? Are they different? Uh, there's a lot lot to cover there. I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm sure you will as well. But um, I wanted to give you the option. Uh, would you like to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go ahead and go first, because I think I left last time, uh, to be honest with you, like I messaged you for... Um, not a hundred percent sure where you were at on some of the things okay. that you just mentioned. So that, that'll help. I believe that'll help the conversation because I think you got a pretty good idea of 
as far as where I'm at. Yep. Uh, so if you just go into some of that, and uh, I think that'll uh, kick it off pretty nicely. Perfect. That'll work. Let me go over the structure for those of you who are watching or will watch uh, in the future. Uh, we're going to do 15 to 20 minutes each. Um, I mean, not a set time, but just kind of give an overview of what, what we're talking about, what our stance is on these things, and uh, then give it off to the other person, and then we'll open up for dialogue. Um, we didn't talk about this, but I do have the option for those of you who do stay on live to the end. We could do open question. If anybody has any questions for either myself or Pastor Elrod, um, you can type it into whatever platform you've got, and I should be able to see what question you're typing. Um, if you would, just put in there, uh, put a Q, um, and then you know what your question is. That way I'll, I'll know that that's a, a highlighted portion to look at. Hey, this is a question, and we'll address it from there. So... I'm going to go ahead and get going. Uh, it looks like it's about 9, 10, somewhere in there. And uh, we'll start with this. When did the body of Christ start? Obviously, there's there's so much in, entailed in this question. There's so much debate about it. Um, but hopefully by the end of this, you'll you'll really understand uh, what my position is. I think I think first, there's some key verses that we've got to consider when, when we want to try to understand w- when the church actually started. And uh, let me go through these real quick. Matthew 16, uh, Jesus tells Peter that he's going to build his church upon this rock. We know that 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 rock is a reference to Jesus Christ himself, and uh, yet the start of the church was still future. Okay, so he said that he would build his church upon this rock, um, which didn't say that he had established the church at that moment. So there was a promise to Peter that, hey, this is going to happen. Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, I think it's chapter uh, 9, I could could be wrong, 8 or 9, somewhere in there, it says uh, that the, the a testament ends at the death of the testator. So we know that by that that the Old Testament ended at the death of Jesus Christ, who was the testator. Uh, we also know that out of the book of John, that the law went up to the prophets and John the Baptist. So the law actually ended with John the Baptist. He would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ who proclaimed the coming of the kingdom. He also proclaimed the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Anointed One, the coming of the Savior of the world, all of these things. Um, he was the forerunner for Christ, and a lot of people actually confused him with Christ. But So there's two things that we know right off the bat. We know the law ended with the prophets, um, or with, up to John the Baptist, and uh, we know that Christ began to establish and formulate something new. Um, and it, it obviously, there's a lot more entail with that. Maybe we can break that down as we go. But when Christ came into the world, um, he came in as the Lord of the Sabbath, which means that Christ fulfilled the law that he might establish eternal life for all who would believe in him. And uh, yet it's a universal offer to the entire world. You've got some folks out there that would like to say that it wasn't an offer um, to everybody. That's only a specific people. Um, but it, I think it's really important to consider that when we're talking about salvation and Jesus Christ, when we're talking about the Gospels, we've got to consider who Jesus Christ came into this world for. And uh, when we look at the comparison of that, and um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 5, that um, the first Adam brought sin into the world, and everybody was affected by it. The, the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, um, brought redemption for that sin. So we've, we've got a great contrast there between the first Adam and the last Adam, um, but what this is, why this is so important to understand is simply this. I mean, if we really think about the question that we're trying to answer, how it, it just it blows my mind to think that the, the the cornerstone of our faith, Jesus Christ, 
can't lead us to Christ through what we call the Gospels. I mean, he's not able to save us through the words that he spoke about eternal life and the Gospels themselves. I, I think that that it really just need to think about what we're saying there for a little bit. It, can we really not get eternal life from the words that Christ spoke about eternal life today? Um, to me, it's just such an important question. I, I think that you know we really have to do our best to answer that question. So we've got the formulation of the church with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. It was a stumbling block to many, and uh, the apostles are said to be the foundation of this church. So you've got the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, you've got the foundation, the apostles. And then what's built on that has to be built on what was already established. So you've got Jesus Christ and you've got the apostles who are establishing this church. Um, which it brings us to the second most important event in history. You've got the actual establishment of the church. So Acts 2 would mark the beginning of a massive historic change with the coming of the Holy Spirit. So we see that the body of Christ began in Acts 2, although a way was made for the formulation of the body of Christ's finished work at atonement at Calvary. Um, so you, what I would liken it to the, is this. Um, the church has basically got the same five stages as Israel did. Israel had a, a calling out, a formulation, an establishment, a, um, an apostasy, and a demise. The, the church was a progressive establishment as well. It was a calling out, it was a formulation, an establishment. We'll, we will eventually see in the last days the demise um, through the apostasy. I, I think that um, the model there is, is pretty clear. Um, but what we know is, is this. Pentecost changed everything in Acts chapter 2. It, it really was, it, it's, it's a turning point in the Bible. Uh, the most important, um, I would say it's the second most important event in all of the Bible. The first being that of Jesus Christ coming into this world, uh, living a, a, a perfect righteous life, um, coming as not only the Messiah, the Christ, but also as the Savior of the world. And, uh, and having died and been buried and rose again on the third day, that's the most important event in history. And it's changed the world. Uh, but the second most important event in history would have to be the coming of the Holy Ghost, um, which is something that, you know, people had never heard of before. It, it, one of the seven mysteries that was given to Paul, which is one of the mysteries that we're going to talk about tonight. And, and I think that understanding the seven mysteries is also um, something that, as Christians, we're to be stewards over. So you've got seven mysteries, but um, you've got seven things that the Christian is supposed to be steward over as a steward over as well. So I, I think that when we consider the mysteries, we should we should really have a, a pretty good understanding about what these are, and uh, we'll get into that. But let me get back to the church. All right. So I would say this: the body could not be formed until Christ's physical body had gone back to glory. We know this from John chapter 20, verse 22. Uh, we know that all of this un was unknown when we talk about the death, burial, and resurrection, not in the sense that it wasn't revealed, because it was revealed. Jesus Christ revealed it to the apostles, his disciples, in John chapter 2, and they didn't understand. Um, but it also says, towards the end of chapter 2, um, that after the resurrection, the apostles remembered what Jesus had spoken to them about the death, burial, and resurrection, and they believed, okay? So it, they had it revealed to them, they just didn't understand it, all right? So try to, try to think about that for just a minute. There's a difference between revelation and understanding. Now, now that we know that, it's a little more clear. This, it was unknown to the prophets of Acts 1 and 7. Peter purposely speaks of sins being blotted out of the advent, but not at Calvary. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. I think that's something to consider. But 
just because it was revealed doesn't mean it was understood. Okay, now keep that in mind. So the body of Christ, it had to have been formed without anybody's knowledge. All right, we just talked about John chapter 2. But after all of this takes place, Jesus chooses to withhold that revelation about the true nature of the transaction until he calls out the apostle to the Gentiles, Romans 16, 25. That revelation of what actually took place is given to this man, Paul. And once it has its once it's in his possession, he goes right back to the Old Testament, Romans 15, 9 through 12, and 15, 21. What he does is uh, it produces verse after verse after verse to, pro to prove that the truth, it was dormant in the Old Testament, even though it was not made known to the writers. We know this because 1 Peter 1, verses 11 and 12 say, says that the apostles didn't know even though it was written. All right, so they didn't understand what was written. That doesn't mean it wasn't revealed. All right, so if you can grasp the concept of what I'm saying there, um, just because something is revealed doesn't mean it's going to be understood. Uh, but let, let's keep going here. There was a local church before Acts chapter 2. Take a look at Matthew 18, 17. But in Acts chapter 2, it became a living organism by the power of the Holy Ghost. Keep in mind what I've been talking about up to this point. You had the calling out, the formulation, the establishment of the church. It's a, it's a process. It, it wasn't something that just happened overnight, just like the nation of Israel wasn't something that happened overnight. But then what you've got is this body. It's going to leave at some point as fast as it came down. I believe in the rapture. I think 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52 teach that. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they were all in the body of Christ, the church, before Paul was. We know that from Romans 16, 7. And the fact that they didn't have the advanced revelations that Paul got later means nothing at all in regard to the starting place of the body of the mystery. Keep that in mind. I, one of the biggest arguments that someone would make about the start of the church is, what people knew and what they didn't know, all right? But that doesn't mean that what they did or did not know changes anything about when the church actually started, okay? So now that we know that the mystery is now revealed, we know this from verse 5, I, I want to say it's Ephesians 3. Um, it says, unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Notice it didn't say by Paul. So the, the holy apostles and prophets knew that the body of Christ was revealed. They didn't get it from any man either. I mean, that's another argument that we get. Well, Paul didn't get his revelation from any man. Therefore, Paul was the establishment and start of the church because he got it straight from God. Well, let's think about that for a minute. The apostles got it from God as well, and they didn't get it from man. So what's the difference between what we're saying about Paul and what we're saying about the apostles in regard to the body of Christ? All right, so to get rid of the inference that Peter, James, and John, who was the Lord's brother, now knew as much about it as Paul. Um, the truth of the matter is that God set things up so he could get either a tribulation or a church age up until Acts chapter 7. The prophecies of Joel, Daniel, Isaiah, Hosea, and Zephaniah, they were all fulfilled in Acts chapter 1 verse 7. There's a thing that's called the already and not yet. There were partial fulfillments but not complete fulfillments, uh, which is exactly what Peter was talking about in Acts chapter 2, um, where he says, uh, is this not what the prophet Joel has spoken of? Well, part of it was but not all of it was. So some of that is still future. Um, so if part of it was, well, I mean, you've, you've got something serious to consider there. So here's, here's what we've got to consider. He had, it still would have been a Jew-Gentile body for there were Jews and Gentiles in Christ in Acts chapters two through six. Paul, Paul got his revelation before Acts chapter 15. And we know that from 2 Corinthians 12, two and 12, 12, seven. 
which really makes it difficult if you believe that he got it anytime after Acts chapter 15. This is something that I would ask you, Pastor Elrod, is when did Paul actually get his revelation? Um, that's going to be crucial to where you would actually say that the church started is the church, according to your view, if I understand it the way that I think I do, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but you would have to prove that, that Paul got his revelation at the point where you say that the church started. If he got his revelation before that, then the church started before Acts chapter 15. All right, so just keep that in mind. Um, hopefully we can touch on that. But to say that he got the revelation at the time of the writing of, of Ephesians, which is typically taught by people who are made Acts dispensationalists, um, I, I personally think that you've got to ignore a lot of facts. Ephesians 3, it, it's, it's merely a statement to the effect that God did reveal the mystery of a dual body, Jew and Gentile, to Paul, and that he hadn't revealed it to anyone before Paul. Really, that would be the long and short of it. Just because it was real, revealed to Paul doesn't mean that it wasn't revealed to anybody else. It's what we would call the negative inference fallacy, which I think that we can prove based off of uh, what we've already discussed. The, the, whole, the, the apostles got the same mystery revealed to them by the Spirit. They didn't get it by man. So um, that's something that we've got to think about. We know that um, the, the church age was not made known, um, which in other ages was not made known under the sons of men which is what we're talking about in verse 5. So observe that there's not one word about any body being present or absent, okay? So that statement is only about the mystery of the dual body, which is composed of Jew and Gentile. That was not made known, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. It, just, it means it wasn't made known. It doesn't mean it wasn't there. All right, so now let's talk about the mystery of the gospel of the kingdom. Um, I'm on Academia, uh, the app Academia. I read a guy... Uh, his name is Jonathan Williams. He's with WGS Ministries, and uh, we've been writing back and forth. He's written a lot about this, a lot about this. Um, and I, I think he started writing about this subject in 1986, which <laughs> is the year that I was born. Uh, but this is what he has to say about the mystery of the gospel of the kingdom. I'm going to abbreviate it. He says, one of the features of the New Testament verses that use the word gospel is the several descriptors that go with it. All right, so you've got many descriptors of what the gospel is. By far, most verses speak only of the gospel, but many others add a word or phrase providing clues to answer our question, what is the gospel? All right, so he says he's discovered eight basic descriptors of the gospel. A lot of people would take each one of these gospel descriptors and say that they are each a separate gospel. I think that's a, a grave error to make. Um, when considering these descriptions of what the one true gospel is. One, you've got the gospel of God in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, you've got the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 4, 23. Uh, you've got the gospel of your salvation, Ephesians 1, 13. The gospel of peace in, in Ephesians 6, 15. The gospel according to the power of God, 2 Timothy 1, 8. The gospel of Jesus Christ, of his Son, of Christ, of our Lord Jesus, um, Mark 1, 1. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, then you've got a bunch of different references there, but um, that would actually be part of number six. Number seven would be the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20, 24. And then finally, you've got the gospel of the promise made to the fathers. So the whole point of this, guys, is to not divide the Bible up so much that you make each one of these a different gospel, but to understand that this one gospel is made up of all of these, these different descriptions that is consistent and uniform throughout the entire Bible. All right, so the, he, he goes on to say these descriptors, they supply shades of meaning, meaning to the one gospel, 
And these different shades are often lost or minimalized in our modern presentation of the gospel. So it's important that we recover them. He's got a lot more to say um, where Paul talks about Isaiah. For time's sake, um, I've got about 10 minutes left, and uh, then I'll turn it over to Pastor Elrod. But um, I, I want to get to a couple of the other subjects that we were talking about. Uh, the mystery of Christ, what is it? Quite simply, the mystery would be the pre-incarnate Jesus of the Old Testament having been begotten and incarnate. So we're talking about the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? Christ, Christ is, um, <laughs> he's God manifest in the flesh. Like, it, let's, let's spend some time talking about God in five minutes. Like, um, the mystery of Christ is just everything about who Christ is. It's the doctrine of Christ. And uh, that doctrine is just so deep and entailed. I, I, I think that specifically that mystery is, is, uh, is talking about um, that, that the, the eternal God was begotten into um, uh, a mortal finite body as a man. And that he went from a... Mes- meta- this is how I, I wrote it down here when I put these notes in. He went from a met- metaphysical and a transcendent being, the, all, um, the all-knowing, everlasting, Alpha and Omega God, to becoming physical and humbled into, into the finite body of a man. I mean, what a mystery that is. How in the world can something infinite and uh, the everlasting become something finite, finite and temporal? I mean, it, you know, then you get into the dual nature of Christ and all those things, but... Um, you know, I, I think that mystery of Christ is just an amazing thing to consider, but that would be my answer on that. Um, we, we might be able to go deeper on that if you want more questions, uh, want to get into it a little deeper. But the main point of what we were wanting to get into is answering that question, can you be saved by the red letters of Christ in the Gospels? And we were specifically looking at Matthew 19, uh, dealing with a rich young ruler. So I want to read this. Um, just because I, th- I think it's so important to spend a little time in, in the text that we're actually looking at just to not jump over the time for time's sake and, and not actually read it. But in Matthew 19, it starts in... Let's see. Uh, where does it start? 16? Uh, Matthew chapter number 19, verse 16, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, "Why, Why call you me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. He says to him, Which? Jesus said, If you shall do no murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, up, oh, what lack I? What lack I yet? And Jesus said to him, If you'll be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And uh, come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say to you that a rich man shall hardly go into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Then you get to the end of this, and at the end of this chapter, and, he, and Jesus says here, Verily I say to you, that you which have followed me in the generations, uh, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
And everyone that has forsaken houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. There, there's so much in there. And, and I think that when we talk about whether or not words have meanings, if words have meaning at all, they've got to mean what they say. Well, I, I think that we've got to actually consider that and say, well, there's, there's probably a little more depth than just the service level of what words mean when Jesus is speaking. And, and, and I think that he does that on many occasions. Specifically, I think you and I would both agree uh, that John chapter 6, when Jesus talks about this body and uh, this bread and this wine being the body and blood of Christ, that's figurative. So there's a little more depth to just the literal interpretation of what Christ is saying. And we look at the story of the rich young ruler. I, I really do think that to grasp the concept of what Jesus Christ is actually teaching this man is, yeah, hey, if you want to earn your salvation, you got to be perfect, man. And, and, and you're not. At the bottom line, at the end of the day, the message that Christ is speaking to the rich young ruler is that you're going to fall short. Everyone does. That's why you need Jesus Christ. The whole point of his message is to show you, like, hey, he goes through a list. Hey, first it starts out with the question of, who am I? Do you think that I'm good? Because you as a Jew would only believe that God is good. So you have to admit first that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. So recognizing that is, is the first step for us to apply to ourselves. You have to, Hebrews 11, 6 says um, that, that, um, that, uh, well, it's impossible to please God. Yeah, without faith, it's impossible to please God, but you have to come to him. Um, what does it say? Ah, I can't remember it off the top of my head. He that comes to him must believe that he is an That's right. He is a quarter of them that diligently seek him. That's right. Yeah, that's it. So That was written in Hebrews. You're right. It was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so I think that the message first starts with identifying who Christ is, and I think it's the same message with us. We've got to start with identifying who Christ is. Um, we talked about the, the doctrine of, of uh, the mystery of Christ earlier. Um, but I, I, that's, that's the center point of what the gospel is. You, you've got to understand who he is and uh, go from there. You've got to have a, 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 you have to identify that you have a sin problem. So Christ isn't just telling this guy like, hey, keep the commandments, uh, sell everything that you've got, uh, leave your father, your mother, your brother, all of these things, and you'll inherit eternal life if that's what you do. He's telling him, like, well, for one, by the end of that chapter, what he's saying is the things that you do for Christ um, is a reference to your inheritance. It's not a reference to your salvation. So I think that's something important to consider as well. But guys, at the bottom line, the end of the day, the message of Jesus Christ to the rich young ruler is not that it's impossible for him to go through the eye of a needle. It's tough because there's some things that, you, that he would have to let go with his pride and, and when you really look at the, the first century historical perspective on what the eye of a needle is and a camel going through it, it's not a literal needle. It's, it's, it's a needle that's over in um, that area of the world that a camel would have to get down on his knees and crawl through that needle. It, it's like an archway for him to get through. It's a really difficult thing to do. It's a great picture and analogy for what Christ is using to illustrate to his disciples how difficult it is for a rich man to get into heaven because he think he's got everything that he needs. Why would he need Jesus? Um, so there's a lot more depth to what Christ is talking about here. Um, and for whatever reason, there's just an echo there, but I'm going to keep going. So that'll wrap up um, Matthew 19 for me. But I, I, I do want to list 
a couple of things here from what other guys actually said. Constable says this. He says specifically, what, what's the mystery in view here? Traditional dispensationalists, as distinguished from progressive dispensationalists, and covenant the theologians have understood the mystery to be the church, the body of Christ. Uh, he goes on to say traditional dispensationalists are what he's referring to here would be the normative dispensationalist, which some progressive dispensationalists have subdivided into classical and revised. So th there's just a lot, of, a lot of different categories there, but um, we're talking about Ephesians 3, 4, and 5. Uh, but Darby, here's what he says on it. Darby, obviously, you know, a lot of people would accuse dispensationalism as him being the father of it today, uh, but we know that it, it goes way back beyond that. I actually have quotes um, from Clement of Alexandria, uh, which is second century. This guy's second century, and he literally has seven different dispensations that he lays out the same way that Darby does. So it's just amazing to me. But here's what he says. He says, um, it was simply Gentiles being the object of which the blessings would come through, putting them into the body of Christ, where there is no longer distinction between Jew and Gentile. By the way, here's his words on the establishment of this mystery regarding the other apostles. Here's what Darby says, a dispensationalist, and uh, um, regarding the, the, the revelation of the apostles regarding the body of Christ, he says this, Here the apostle assures us that he had received it by a special revelation, as he had already taught them in words which, though few, were suited to give a clear understanding of his knowledge of the mystery of Christ, a mystery never made known in past ages, but now revealed by the Spirit to the apostles and prophets. Here it will be observed that the prophets are most evidently those of the New Testament, since the communications made to them are put in contrast with the degree of light granted in previous ages. So he very clearly recognizes the fact that they knew about this mystery, that they understood it, that they preached it, as they were that foundation by which the Lord Jesus Christ, as the cornerstone of that foundation, laid the establishment of the church apart from Paul. So there's a lot more to go in here. Um, what was the last question I think that we've got here? Um, so the last thing that you had, you'd asked me to address was things spoken compared to things hid in God. Um, the best way that I can answer that is to say I, I think it's pretty clear where I stand on that up to this point. Um, if anybody was li listening to what I just said um, um, about things spoken compared to the things hidden in God. Just be, So to sum it up, here's what I would say. The law itself, it could never save the young man in Matthew 19. The commandments, they couldn't save the young man. What the law and the commandments could do was establish rewards in eternal life if they could be held perfectly and throughout their entire life. The problem was the man went away sorrowful for a reason. He knew that he couldn't do it. What couldn't he do, though? He couldn't let go of the vice in his heart, which was giving all his wealth to the poor. And it's no different for you and me. It's something that we hang on to in our heart that makes us think that we would be good enough to make it. But even with the door to heaven, as Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ as the vine and the branch and the tree of life and the truth of life and, and all of these great pictures of what Jesus Christ is for us, the truth standing and speaking words of life into this guy is really what made this guy walk away sorrowful. Not, not necessarily for what he could or couldn't do to earn his salvation, but it's the same issue for you and me. And I think that's where the depth of the message goes, guys, is the depth of the message when it, it, when it, when it comes to the gospel, it takes a realization of who you are 
you've got to recognize that there's nothing good enough that you can do to get there. That the man standing in front of that rich young ruler was the man Jesus Christ, the, the way, the truth, the life, the door, the vine, the tree, the tree of life, all these things that he was to him, he is to us. There's no difference. And Jesus Christ is still the only way to get to heaven. So I'd wrap it up that way. I know I might have gone a little over on time, but Pastor Elrod, I'm going to turn it over to you, and you can have at it, man. Okay. Um, Romans 15 and verse number 8 tells us that Jesus Christ was a minister uh, of the circumcision to confirm the promises made unto the Father. So as you uh, approach the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see uh, that Jesus Christ, he was born uh, through the nation of Israel that was prophesied. He's a line of the tribe of Judah. Uh, we know all about the promises concerning him, about where he would be born. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 21 says, And he shall bring forth a son, or and she shall bring forth a son, excuse me, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And now as we approach Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the people that Jesus Christ, according to Romans 15 verse 8 and many scriptures at all, look at here in just a moment um, it was the Jews and it was only to the Jews uh, according to the words uh, spoken here uh, in the Word of God so um, when Jesus Christ shows up on the scene uh, he's not here to establish anything new uh, he is here in fulfillment of prophecy that which was spoken by the mouth of all the prophets and that's what Peter talked about that's what Zacharias uh, talked about as well in Luke chapter number one and verse number 67 salvation um, has more than one context in the sense of if most people said uh, about salvation most people today would think well salvation from uh, eternal hell and and that is true uh, in a sense of salvation but salvation to the Jews they were looking to be saved from their enemies they were looking to be saved from their enemies when their Messiah Jesus Christ would establish the kingdom that's why John the Baptist is preaching uh, the gospel of the kingdom. That's why Jesus Christ is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. This is why the twelve are being sent out preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That is why Peter on the day of Pentecost and in Acts chapter number three um, is preaching a kingdom message because that was what they were expecting. And uh, it was a Jewish kingdom. And it still is, by the way, in the future, a Jewish kingdom. Uh, the church, the body of Christ, has not replaced Israel. Uh, we do not become spiritual Jews, uh, any of that sort. We are a new creature, uh, whether there's either Jew or Gentile, and they had no clue about that. And uh, But in Luke chapter number 1, verse number 67, it says, And his father Zacharias, this is John the Baptist's father, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And that's his people, Israel says, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the, and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that, we would, that, uh, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered of the hand of, of our enemies might serve him without fear. 
this was what the offer of the gospel of the kingdom was about, that Jesus Christ is going to come establish it. And we have no doubt about who the people are as we look in the word of God. But I do want to look at just a few places here in the gospels to try to nail that down uh, so we can look at it in Matthew chapter number um, Matthew chapter number 10. Jesus actually tells the, the 12 as they go out here, he gives them power against unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now you had made mention Josh a second ago um, that in Matthew 16, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I, just like the word salvation means deliverance. The word church is just simply a called out assembly. Uh, Steve, Stephen speaks about a church in Acts chapter number seven, uh, which was certainly not the body of Christ. Uh, they were most uh, definitely under law. It was Moses' church uh, there in the wilderness. And uh, as we come to Matthew 16, Jesus is speaking of something future uh, in establishing this congregation. You can cross-reference Psalm 22, uh, and you'll find that. I don't have time to flip there tonight. But one thing I want us to notice here is that what are these apostles preaching? What, is, what are they preaching? Because Acts uh, 2 and uh, other places that we'll get to later, you'll see some of these same uh, doctrines of speaking in tongues and uh, throughout the early portions of the book of Acts, and you'll see these kingdom signs that were given. But in uh, verse number five, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and to any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. He goes on to talk much more about these things. But absolutely, nobody on planet Earth is able to carry out what the apostles were preaching in Matthew chapter number 10. And this is why there's so much confusion in Christianity, because when you come to the red letters, and you say, well, this is what Christ sent them out to preach, and so that's what I'm going to do. But you can't do that, and you're not supposed to do that. Uh, that's not our commission that was given, but that's exactly what they were preaching. They were not preaching in Matthew chapter number 10, the death, burial, and resurrection to Jew and Gentile without distinction for everlasting life. It's not in there. They wouldn't preach it. John the Baptist wasn't preaching it either in Matthew 3. Jesus was not preaching it either in Matthew chapter number 4. Then we go on to... Uh, Matthew chapter number 15, and Jesus has an encounter again, and he says here um, to this woman in verse number 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if words mean what they say, Jesus is clearly telling this woman, I'm not coming here for you. I'm only sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I am not part of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They were, and that is who Jesus Christ was ministering. That's the same command that he gave his apostles in Matthew chapter number 10. Goes on to say this in verse number 25. Then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread 
and they cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Jesus still hasn't told this woman about he's going to go to the cross, die for her sins or her daughter. What he gave was physical healing to this girl. And Jesus Christ only ministered to her when she put herself under the authority of God's channel of blessing, which was the nation of Israel. Now, in the prophetic program of God, you'll find throughout the scriptures that Jesus Christ would come through Israel. Israel would be a blessing to all nations. In Isaiah chapter number 60, I'll uh, read this portion of scripture. Isaiah chapter number 60 says this in verse number one, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness of the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee. Now the thee there is Israel. And it says here, And his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Now that's important. Gentiles, according to the prophecy that's given, would come to the Messiah through the rising of God's chosen people, which which was and is in the future will be the nation of Israel. He goes on to say here and uh, other portions here in verse number uh, 11 of the same chapter. It says, therefore, thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles and that their kings may be brought for the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish, yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. That certainly is not happening today. But in the prophetic program of God and what Jesus was talking about and what the apostles were preaching, this is exactly what they were expecting. Israel's going to come to rise in prominence. And then, just like God promised Abraham, all the world is going to be blessed through you, Abraham, your country. You're going to have a land and this promise that I'm given, all the world's going to be blessed. It's not that God was not going to include the Gentiles, but their blessing was only going to come through the nation of Israel. Um, speaking of the sheep, I want to go ahead and read these verses real quick, where it talked about he only came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Psalm 95, we read um, Psalm 95. We read in verse number seven, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Uh, and then it says here in Psalm 100, verse number three, know ye that the Lord, uh, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. If time permitted, we could go all throughout the Psalms and you'll find time and time again about how Israel would be saved from their enemies. In the day of trouble, in the evil day, they're going to be saved from their enemies. Uh, when the Messiah comes, when God sets up his kingdom, and then all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. And so that is exactly what's going on uh, in the Gospels. The Bible says in John 4, verse 22, salvation is of the Jews. That means exactly what it says. If a Gentile was going to find a righteous standing with God, they had to come through his channel of blessing, it was of the Jews. And you also made a, a comment, Josh, about Acts 2 verse, or excuse me, Acts 2 uh, through Acts 6 and those chapters. Um, I want you to kind of find this as I'm continuing to talk here. 
you were talked about that Gentiles were being blessed and saved. Um, I'm going to challenge you here. Find me a place where they're preaching to Gentiles um, before uh, Acts chapter, we'll even call it Acts chapter 8, but even all the way up to Acts chapter 10 as you're kind of listening in there because you'll find it's Jews only, it's ye men of Israel, they're in the temple. Um, and so that's still the same status quo as was going on uh, in the Gospels. But then we still come to uh, places like in uh, Matthew chapter number 19. I'm going to go ahead and deal with Matthew 19 and before I get to Paul uh, and what, what he received from the resurrected Christ from glory and not Jesus Christ according to his earthly ministry. Um, but another time that we see Jesus dealing with the law, he told me in Matthew 23, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not say, or excuse me, but uh, do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. He never told them to do anything contrary uh, to the law. But you and I, we are not under the law, but we are under grace. But in Matthew 19, we have a very clear question that Jesus uh, had to answer. The, the young man comes to him. Uh, what good thing shall I do that I may uh, have eternal life? Very simple question. Uh, Jesus did not say, believe on me in my death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll have everlasting life. That's not what he said. And I know what the commentaries say, and, and I think you alluded to a little bit of this tonight, but he doesn't say that Jesus knew his heart. Now, we have in other places in the scriptures where Jesus was tempted. It actually says Jesus knowing their thoughts that they went to tempt him. We don't read that here. Um, we let the Bible speak for itself. Jesus flat out told this man, um, he answered and said to him, Why cause thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Now, it is a fact he was basically... Uh, getting this individual to realize that he is God. He's the Messiah. Uh, this is why that the uh, people in Israel, they had to believe on the name of Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah. That's why the book of John was written. Uh, not that you might believe on his death, burial, and resurrection for immediate salvation and go to heaven when you die. It was to believe that Jesus was the Christ. John chapter number 20, verse number 31, all throughout that uh, gospel. But we come here, and then he says, uh, very simply, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He goes on, he tells them he has and these things, but he says, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, I would never tell someone today, that they can't be saved until they're willing to get rid of their possessions. That is absolutely adding works to the gospel of the grace of God. We come to the gospel and we don't have to give away anything. We don't have to do any of that. We simply receive what Jesus Christ has done for us and his finished cross work and nothing else. Jesus told this man that he had to do something. But remember, what was this man expecting? He was looking to have eternal life. He was a Jew. When, is, when are the Jews going to inherit eternal life? It's going to be in the kingdom. That's what was promised to them. They're, they've been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus, we know this because then he immediately deals with, um, then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so then he, he continues to, to go along this 
um, this thought about the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about go to heaven. He's talking about the kingdom being here on earth. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter number five that the meek shall inherit the earth. We have no doubt who the meek are. You can read Psalm 37, and it says that exact same exact uh, phrase. In Psalm 37, it says in verse three, dwell in the land. In verse nine, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 11, shall inherit the earth. Verse 22, shall inherit the earth. Verse 29, shall in, uh, inherit the land and shall dwell therein forever. Verse 34, and he shall exalt thee uh, to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off and thou shalt see it. So that's key. Now this man is told to sell everything he had and give it to the poor. Now you said a second ago that this was something he was just testing him by that he really didn't mean for him to do that. Well, then he should have made a big apology to the apostle Peter because Peter says, in verse number 27, then answered Peter and said unto him, behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. And you run this all the way to early acts on the day of Pentecost. If that's, if that's where the body of Christ started in Pentecost, no church that I know of is practicing what they were doing at Pentecost. The Baptists are not speaking in tongues. The Church of Christ, they're at least baptizing people for the remission of sins, but nobody is selling everything they have and bringing it to the apostles' feet. For one, there are no apostles today. Number two, the closest thing that can get to that would be the pastor. Now, there's some of these charlatans out there that'll actually say that, and that's why some of these men even have ministries, because they're not dispensationalists. They're not rightly divine the word of truth. We do not do that. And you find all throughout, that's exactly what they were doing. Now, what were they expecting? Why did Jesus tell this man this? Is because they were expecting the kingdom to come. And before the kingdom would come, just like Joel prophesied, it would be a day of darkness. The day of the Lord would come. And through that, Israel would come through the fire. Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. They would come through the fire, the 70th week of Daniel. And in that day, Josh, you know this, and, and if we have time, maybe we can get to it later. But nobody in the tribulation will buy or sell unless they have the mark. And so by faith, God is going to supernaturally provide everything they need. That's why the Sermon on the Mount was given. The Sermon on the Mount is impossible for you and I to live today. It is absolutely impossible. We can't live it. And we're not supposed to live it. There's some good application there. I should be merciful to people. I should forgive people. But the Bible says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount that if I don't forgive others, I won't be forgiven. It tells about the meek inheriting the earth. I'm not inheriting the earth. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ right now, Ephesians tells me. But that's what the message was here. And by faith, they were going to do this. And so the same way that, that God provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness, providing manna from heaven, no wonder he told them to pray in this manner, give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because manna was only good for one day. And that's going to be the prayer of those in the tribulation. That's what they were expecting uh, to enter into. And uh, we'll, we'll deal much more with that later. But we know that's not what happened. And in Mark chapter number 16, Jesus told them uh, to go and uh, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They're going to go preach the gospel, the same one that they've been preaching, the gospel of the kingdom. And then in verse number 16, how do we know that they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom? What's the same message that John preached? 
It's the same one that Paul, or excuse me, the same one that uh, Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, I've heard a lot of people do uh, dances around those verses, but they say exactly uh, what they mean. Because water baptism was uh, a Jewish uh, right there and showed their faith that he is the Messiah and they would be baptized. It says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they uh, drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Again, no church, no church on planet earth can do this in Mark 16. But yet, if we think that the body of Christ started here or this is our commission, then what we need to be doing, we need to be going to hospitals, we need to be going to funeral homes, raising the dead, putting our hands on the sick, we need to be speaking in tongues, we need to do the whole gamut, but yet nobody is going to do that because they spiritualize or they say, well, he didn't really mean what he said. But then we go here, and I'm going to try to hasten on so we can get some dialogue here. Uh, Galatians 2, I'm just going to jump there real quick. Uh, Galatians 2, I, we'll deal with Ephesians 3 uh, no doubt, I would say here in a little bit. But uh, simply this, Josh, I believe that the mystery uh, is, is very simple, that the mystery is that God is now saving Gentiles without Israel. And that was unprophesied. That was unsearchable, as Ephesians 3 tells us. You can't find Gentiles being saved without coming to the nation of Israel. You can't find it in the scriptures. You can't find it until the apostle Paul comes on the scene and expounds on these truths that were given to him. And you said something about when were these revelations given? Well, Paul received, uh, he didn't receive them all at one time. Matter of fact, he was in Arabia for three years. He says, I shall come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter number 12, he talked about because of the abundance of the revelations that was given to me, there was given this thorn in the flesh. And so he's receiving this uh, progressively, this dispensation of the grace of God. But in Galatians chapter number uh, two, uh, we see here that all goes up to teach those in Jerusalem, the apostles, what he's preaching. Now, at a very minimum, 17 years have passed because you do the math here. Three years in Arabia, 14 years, so at a minimum, 17 years. He goes to Jerusalem in verse 2, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. Now, he's going up to tell them. Why in the world would Paul, by revelation, have to go tell them if they're preaching the same gospel? fact of the matter is they're not preaching the same gospel. By lady, as Acts chapter number 11, it says they're scattered, they're preaching none but to the Jews only. And see, uh, we see here, but probably to them which are of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came to spy out our liberty, uh, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us unto bondage to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Now, notice this. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whosoever they were, it maketh no man that God accepted no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. They're not giving Paul anything. Paul's teaching them something. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the circumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the, or, excuse me, the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. 
Now, there's two different Gospels right there. It's the Gospel of the uncircumcision, committed unto Paul, the Gospel of the circumcision, which was committed unto Peter. And then it even goes on in verse number 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go to the heathen, and they into the circumcision. John, Peter, um, James, none of them ever had a Gentile ministry. The only one that ever ministered to Gentiles was Peter when he went to the house of Cornelius. And uh, if we have time, we can dive in that. And he preached to him the gospel of the kingdom as well. Fear God and worketh righteousness is accepted to him. Um, and some other things that we may get into tonight. But very simply, Jesus ministered to the nation of Israel in the, in the gospels. And Peter and the other 11 were ministering to Israel uh, until uh, Paul comes on the scene and he is giving a new revelation and a new dispensation. That is what he actually says in the Bible that was given to him. Peter wrote to the strangers that were scattered. James wrote to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. Hebrews is written to the Hebrews. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is written to his brethren. Revelation is written to the Jews. You read about those church epistles there, uh, those assemblies. It is so... Uh, why in the world would it matter if someone would lie and say they're a Jew or not in the dispensation of grace? Well, there's neither Jew nor Gentile today. Uh, but there certainly was then and there will be in the future. But you and I are living in this, this mystery age that there's neither Jew nor Gentile. We can come directly to God by the blood of Christ, not by a covenant, not, not by the law, but we come there to Jesus Christ to receive immediate forgiveness of sins, not by water baptism, not by repenting or turning from all our sins, but by simple faith in the death, burial, and resurrection, immediate salvation, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and we'll be taken to heaven in the rapture. And I believe this wholeheartedly. Uh, the rapture was never taught by Jesus Christ in the earthly ministry uh, that he had either. He talked about his second coming. He talked about it quite often. Uh, Peter didn't. Uh, Peter and the other 11, they were not in the body of Christ uh, Paul says that he's the first, uh, that in the first, uh, he's the chief of sinners. And so he was the first one in the body of Christ. All things will be brought in Christ, both things in heaven and earth. You may reference a Romans chapter number 16. Uh, the little flock, the kingdom saints, they were in Christ. They were in Christ according to prophecy. You and I were in Christ according to mystery uh, by our pattern, the Apostle Paul. So. Um, I have no clue how long I'll, uh, I'll open it up now. We can dive in and get some good dialogue here. Hey, thanks again. Hey, that was uh, that was good. About the same amount of time as as what I took. So, uh, just to give you a heads up, for whatever reason, um, your sound and video uh, really got pretty choppy there for about the last five minutes. But um, and it's kind of grainy. I I think that. Um, there might be something going on there. I know you had said that there might be some issues the last time, but um, I think we're good. So I, as you were going through all that, I've got a, I, a lot of stuff that I wrote down and some some questions that I wanted to ask you um, in, in regard to the topic of what we're, we're talking about. I think there were basically four or five uh, different points that we had each hit uh, regarding the mystery of Christ, the body of Christ, uh, the establishment of the church, Matthew 19, uh, the works of the law and salvation. What did Jesus Christ teach about salvation? All those things. So um, if I could, I'd like to ask you this. Did, can you actually identify when Paul did get um, the revelation of the mystery of 
the church. Well, in Acts 9, we know that's when he was uh, saved, uh, in Acts 9. And uh, I believe he got it during, I believe he got the revelation, obviously, of the ascended Lord from glory uh, in Acts 9. We know that, of that personal encounter. Uh, but it says that he spent three years in Arabia. Now, uh, the, I, I think the, the biggest uh, question is, when was the door of faith open to the Gentiles? This is what, and so when you talk about mid-Acts, we know Paul is, is saved in Acts 9, but then we see, uh, really, from Acts 9, we don't read about Paul any in Acts 10. Um, we don't read about him in Acts uh, chapter number 11, uh, 12, but then 13, uh, we read about here where he and uh, Barnabas there are, are given the right hand of fellowship. Actually, is in Acts number 12, excuse me. Uh, I believe there, but um, the door of faith is open to the Gentiles by the Apostle Paul and um, Acts 13, Acts 14. And uh, it's uh, it's very eye-opening, as you said, that Peter is the predominant one all throughout early Acts. But by the time Acts 15 is, is over with, and Peter is really not even, doesn't seem to be the preeminent one even there. And uh, he passes off the scene, and it's 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 about Paul. And uh, the book of Acts is a transitional book. Um, it's a historical book about the. It's not it's not about the birth of the church. It's about the diminishing of Israel. Uh, that's what you see in Acts one. You say, when are you going to store again the kingdom of uh, of God to Israel? In Acts twenty eight, uh, Paul announcing blindness, uh, and that's where you read Romans chapter eleven. They've been blinded, uh, but God is going to deal with them again um, in the future. Now, there's, they don't have a special standing with God like they had in time past uh, as they do today. So uh, putting all those things together, um, because we know Paul says that I was given something that was kept secret. Uh, well, Acts 2, Peter's not preaching a secret. Matter of fact, he's preaching the book of Joel. Uh, so there's no secret there, absolutely no secret at all. So um, that's that's what I'd say with that. The, the the key is is when when was the door of faith open to the uh, the Gentiles, and that was through the Apostle Paul. So you're saying that Paul got the revelation of the mystery of the church when he got saved in Acts nine, but the church didn't start till Acts fifteen. Is that right? Am I understanding you right there? No, absolutely not. The church was well, it was 17 years between uh, what we read. Remember what Paul said, I went to Arabia three years and then 14 years later went up by revelation to Jerusalem. That's 17 years before Acts chapter number 17. Paul was preaching the gospel of grace of God. Now, um, he did minister to Jews, obviously. And uh, and he did he did preach the kingdom of God, but he did he wasn't preaching the kingdom of God uh, in the sense of what John the Baptist and Jesus and Peter and all those were. Um, I don't preach the kingdom you. of God, the kingdom of God. Let me rephrase. I don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. Um, nobody can be saved today by believing the gospel of the kingdom. Um, in Acts chapter twenty-eight, Paul's preaching the kingdom of God. There, can you tell me what sure, that kingdom is? The kingdom of God, yeah, he's preaching the kingdom of God, and he taught the kingdom of God, and so do I. Um, 
he's talking about, look at the context here, he's, he's declaring. Uh, in Romans chapter 11, you remember at the close of that chapter, he was talking about uh, God was concluding them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy on all. And so that's exactly what's going on in Acts 28. We see that he's declaring Israel in unbelief as a nation. And so he's, uh, it says there in verse number 23, persuading uh, them, that's the Jews there, the law and prophets. Remember, we have to believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. Where do we find that? Well, we find it all throughout the Gospels. We find it in the Kingdom program. We find it in the prophets. I think there's a misconception that uh, someone that would take uh, the story of the church, the body of Christ, the way I do, that would just throw out uh, all the other scriptures. They're all profitable. They're all for our learning. And, and, and we take them. But simply put, if we are going to say that the church started at Pentecost or even started in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's our, that's our information, and that's immediately for our doctrine, well, the Bible says that he came to Israel only. He, can't, he didn't come for you and I, Josh. We're Gentiles. And so how can I put myself back over there? How can I read myself back into the red letters? I'm not selling everything I have. I'm not going to do like the deal in Pentecost. I've never spoken tongues, and I'm never going to. I'm never going to take up a serpent on purpose either. But they could. And I, I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to bring all my uh, you know, uh, possessions there, and we're not going to part them as every man hath need either. But Paul, is, uh, he's pronouncing uh, the, the full and complete blindness of Israel in Acts 28, uh, the complete opposite of what we see in Acts chapter number 1 that was going on and even in Acts chapter number 2. In Acts 3, when they're finally given a full faith offer to accept the kingdom. Um, I'll ask a couple more questions and then I'll... I, I've got a lot more, but I want to give you a chance to ask some as well. But um, So you said that none of those sign gifts had anything to do with the church age. Is that the position that you're taking... No, Paul did the signs of an apostle. Mm -hmm. The signs of the kingdom were signs of the kingdom. That so all these the things are going to be happening. You find, it, you find it in the Gospels. So could you uh -huh. tell me the difference between the sign of an apostle and the sign of the kingdom? Well, one's an apostle, the other one's a kingdom on earth. Okay. Paul determined who he had, he had the authority to carry those out. And Paul didn't have those the whole time either. Um. So I, I think I might... God, those, those things would come. Those things would come to an end. That's why. That's why he uh, he requested prayer for his friend that was sick. Paul couldn't heal him. I, I, the reason that I ask that is because um, it's it's commonly taught that. Well, actually, the Bible says it, the Jews require a sign. So the Jews requiring a sign obviously would be in a contrast of a Gentile requiring a sign. So if the apostles were the only ones with a sign gift and the Jews were the ones who required the sign, why would you, why would you take the position that Paul didn't preach to Jews when he had the, the sign gifts for the Jews? No, I never said that Paul didn't preach to Jews. As a matter of fact, as his custom was, the Bible says he went to the synagogue and reasoned with them out of the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Right. Okay. You, so, have, to believe, okay. you have to believe that Jesus is the Christ to be saved today, but you've got to believe more than he was the Christ. So do you believe that Jesus is your Messiah? Jesus is not my Messiah. So I'm not, Josh, I'm not the, 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 the kingdom, the kingdom on earth, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. On, there, there, there's going to be a, we're, we're going to be in heaven, the body of Christ. 
the kingdom's here. I'm not going to inherit that kingdom because I'm not a Jew. So, and uh, I've got so many questions. Each thing you say, I'm like, well, what about this? And, and I, I want to say it's First Timothy um, 2, might be Second Timothy 4. It, it says, if we suffer with him, we'll also reign with him. What do you, what do you think that means? I'm going to reign with him in heavenly places. But not in his kingdom? That it's all going to be brought in Christ. So like the kingdom of heaven, heavenly places like that? No, the kingdom of heaven is an earthly kingdom. I mean, you read it. Why would they, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? Where at? On earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, on earth. We're not, we're, our hope is up there. It's not down here. But Israel's is down here, and it still is in the future. Okay. Um, gosh, He's going to sit the throne of David on planet earth. I, I understand. I, I've i got the whole picture there. Um, but I, I, I want to lead in from that into this this question, and then I'll turn it over to you. You, you said that Jesus came to save the nation of Israel, and you made a you you made the statement um, that we need to understand what he came to save them from. You said Jesus came to save his people, Luke 2. Um, and then you said saved from what? So I'd like to know, did Jesus come to save Gentiles? And, and if he didn't come to save Gentiles, then is salvation available to Gentiles while Jesus is here? Obviously, you gave the story of, of the Gentile woman um, uh, who got physical healing, but you, it seemed to me that you were making a contrast that she didn't receive spiritual healing as well, which would be an inheritance of eternal life through her faith. So my question is, is um, did Jesus come to save anybody besides the Jews? Can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? And uh, what were they saved from? Did that Gentile woman have actual salvation? It never says that she had actual salvation. It says that her daughter was healed. And that and that's, that's, that's what the Bible says. Um, Jesus came, uh, I've already said it many times, and according to Jesus' own words, he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I mean, that can't get any more plain. Romans chapter 15, verse 8, he came to the circumcision. He was a minister to the circumcision. I'm not the circumcision. You are not the circumcision. There's no doubt Ephesians 2, numerous places, tells us who the circumcision is. As a matter of fact, the gospel of the circumcision was committed unto Peter. Now, he came to save Israel, to redeem Israel, and so that they would inherit the kingdom. And in the kingdom, like I just told you, the rising of Israel would be the blessing of the world. How would you interpret that, Josh? I let, let, before I even go further, because if we, if we can't, I want to make sure that you get that because I'm, I'll be wasting my time if you didn't. Um, how, how else do you view that? I, I came not but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he told them, don't even, why would Jesus, how is Jesus going to save Gentiles when he told his disciples, don't even go to Gentiles? Um, so in the gospels, in, in, in the four gospels. And even in early Acts, you, you made a you made a comment earlier about Gentiles are being saved at Pentecost and other places. They're just simply not. Not a single Gentile is being ministered to. So I, I think that this is this is, these two points are, are are really key to the conversation. I think one is um, um, we were talking about the mystery that was hidden in God, right? So the mystery hidden God from the foundation of the world. I I think that when we talk about the delay of of what Christ was doing and telling people like. Hey, don't tell anybody about this miracle that j just happened, right? So, and, and and then he he says, don't go in the way of the Gentiles. So I, I think that it's commonly taught that um, this this is a delay 
um, for what was already prophesied to happen, that the death, burial, and resur res resurrection of Christ was going to happen. I mean, even... So I want to hold you right there because last time you made that assumption, and, and I'm not making that assumption, the death, burial, resurrection is not the mystery. The mystery is Gentiles can be saved without coming through Israel, and you do not find a Gentile. You don't find that prophesied. You do not find it in the four Gospels, and you do not find it under the ministry of the twelve earthly apostles of Jesus Christ. If I said that the death, burial, and resurrection of of Jesus was the mystery I misspoke. That's not what I, I'm trying to say. I just want to make sure. I don't want you to think that I, I believe that that was the mystery. No. Yeah. No. I don't. I don't think that you did. I think you made it pretty clear that um, that you believe it's the body of Christ of Jew and Gentile. But, but you know that's um, um, you had made reference to Acts two. We could look at it if if you want. Um, I there are there's there's like twenty different nations that's listed in Acts two. I mean in and, and and they even identify when they're when they talk about who who they're how they're hearing um, hearing each other speak in their own tongue and they understand it. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a little far fetched to say that everyone from all of these different nations was all Jews. Well, verse number five of Acts two, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. That's why that's the miracle of the tongues. They're speaking these languages, but they're 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 not all of the same nation, but they are all Jews or they're proselytes, because it says in verse number ten, Jews and proselytes goes all the way through there. Um, and then we have no doubt of the message, and he's only. Uh, he says, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And verse 22, ye men of Israel, he um, goes on and on and on and on uh, throughout the entire ministry. And so um you do not find a, a Gentile being ministered to. And that's strange because here, here's our few options. Either the apostles are racist or they're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Because in the kingdom program, the world's not blessed until Israel's converted. It's through their rising. But Paul comes along and the mystery is now God is blessing Gentiles, not through their rising, but through their fall. In Romans chapter number 11, it says um, in verse number 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Paul says, for I speak to you Gentiles in as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. Then he says in verse number 15, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? That's there, there right there is your mystery. God is now saving Gentiles without Israel, not through their rising, but rather through their fall. Salvation's come to the Gentiles. Peter didn't preach it. John didn't preach it. James didn't preach it. None of them preached it. They were ministering. They gave Paul uh, the right hand of fellowship. 
that he would go to the heathen and they would go to the circumcision. They continued that little flock ministry. And that's why you have these Hebrew epistles that are still there. And that'll be relevant for their actual doctrine in the future uh, during the tribulation uh, as all that's coming about. So um, my, I would I would continue to, to ask you when when are Gentiles being ministered to in the Gospels or in the early uh, chapters of the book of Acts? And, and, and if they're not, why are they not? What, what's, the, um, what's the reason? Why are they not talking to Gentiles? Why are they not giving Gentiles an opportunity to be saved? Um, so I, I want to go back to Acts 2. You said that, that, that Peter and the, the prophets didn't preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Did, did I hear you right when you said that? No, I did not. Okay, so what are you saying they were preaching that is in opposition to what Paul was preaching? They're not offering salvation to Gentiles. They're still offering the kingdom. Look in Acts chapter number 3. Well, I wanted to look in Acts 2. Because, I oh, mean, read, Peter's got... Acts 2, that's fine. Acts, Acts, uh, Acts 2. Yeah, let me, uh, let me read it real quick. Peter's, Peter's talking here in, in verses, uh, verse 25. He says, for David speaks concerning him. He says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. So there's a prophecy about um, uh, Jesus and his soul being not left in hell or seeing corruption. Then you've got 28, he says, You have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full of your joy with your countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you. Notice he didn't just say brethren. He said men and brethren. Let me freely speak to you. Okay, that, that, no way. You go back up to verse number 22, ye men of Israel. And here he says, you men and brethren. That is a, that is a mighty tall stretch, but just go ahead and continue. But, but, and I'd like to, okay, yeah, we'll keep going. He says, men and brethren, let me freely speak to you the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, um, that he is both dead and buried in his sepulchers with us today. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing God has sworn with him an oath uh, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ, sit on his throne. Uh, he's okay. seen this before, spoke what, of the resurrection. I'm going to read that real quick. He says, before speaking, uh, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul is not left in hell. So there you go. Yeah. What were you going to say there? I've never once uh, said that the resurrection was a mystery. The the raising up Christ to sit on his throne. What it, what, it, what in, the, in the kingdom, what's he sitting on? He's sitting on the throne of David. He's preaching that this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, that's what it goes back in verse number 22, ye men of Israel. He's preaching that Jesus Christ was their Messiah. And when David spoke that, remember, this is what's been spoken by the mouth of the prophets. He was speaking of Christ. Guess who it was? It was Jesus of Nazareth. And guess what? He's been raised again, and he would sit on his throne in the kingdom. This was nothing new. And then he goes on to talk about this, but you, you can keep on reading. That'll be fine. Well, my, my point wasn't, wasn't I, I'm not addressing anything about the kingdom. I think that I think that the kingdom is... There's no doubt there's a message of the kingdom there. There's no doubt about it. But the point is, when we're talking about the mystery of the gospel of Christ, and, and I know that you're saying that it, the mystery is not the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but the mystery is um, Jew and Gentiles being brought into one body with a wall of partition being brought down, all of that. I get that. I get that. 
but you, what what you've got to be what you have to be what what you have to have here to teach that Peter James John all the other apostles preaching the death burial and resu resurrection of Christ are putting people who are hearing that message and receiving salvation into some other body or some other dispensation other than the one that Paul is preaching the same exact message. I don't know how you reconcile those two things. I mean, you, are they so, not saved by believing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ just like you and I are? Well, let's let's just keep reading the chapter. Well, let's let's find out how Peter tells them that they're going to be saved. He tells, um, he says, I'll, I'll pick up in verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we, as the apostles, all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, which he has shed forth uh, this, which ye now see and hear. Again, that was not a mystery. Joel prophesied of that. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. There's no doubt who he's preaching to. Let all the house of Israel, the same way Jesus said, don't go to the Gentiles, only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, whether well, they is no doubt the audience that he's preaching to, Israel, you men of Israel, all the will know assuredly. He says this, they were put in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, let me ask you this. You said men and brethren, verse number 29. Were there any Gentile apostles? Um, I, I think that... In the 12, in Acts 2, are there any Gentile apostles? You've, you've got apostles to the church and you've got apostles um, to the nation of Israel. I, I think you and I would both agree with that. In, in Acts chapter number two, are there any apostles that are Gentiles? I, 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 there's only one apostle that's listed here, so I don't know. Well, Peter stands up with the other 11 at the beginning of the sermon, and then they, Peter's preaching this, and the rest of the apostles. So there's 12 apostles here because Matthias has taken the place of Judas, correct? Correct. Okay. So he says, so they say to the apostles, men and brethren, are there any Gentile apostles in the twelve? Um, I it, whether or not I don't know. Was Luke an apostle? I can't remember. No, he wasn't. Yeah. So, I, not that that would make any difference. You know, the apostles are the same ones that were in Matthew chapter number ten that went out only ministering to Jews. But here, my it, point is, it, when they get their commission, they've got their commission in Mark, Mark uh, sixteen, Matthew twenty-eight, and then Acts one. They're described Jerusalem. I'm talking about the Great Commission. Well, the Bible never says a Great Commission. I well, know what you're referring to, but yeah, you, it's yeah, you know. Matthew, Matthew 10, Mark 6, I believe, Luke chapter number 10. It's the same one they're carrying on. And here's what I want you to get. If they're carrying out the Great Commission, and they are failing miserably because they're right here. Now, they're starting good because he said, go first to Jerusalem. Begin at Jerusalem. But they never went outside of Jerusalem, even as late as Acts chapter number eight. But let, let, let's continue here with uh, let's continue here in, in the day of Pentecost. But they said, men and brethren, those are only Jews. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. 
and you shall receive the whole and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Who's the promise given to? Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. He's not talking about the church fathers. He's talking to Israel. Um, Romans chapter 9, the promises. That's you and I as Gentiles, Ephesians 2, we were strangers from the covenants of promise. We, we, we didn't have it. We, we cannot lay claim to this in Acts 2. Well, and I we were. Never, do what now? It says that we were strangers. But it also says now we're partakers of the promises of the Father. So by what the covenant or the gospel? Well, I mean, it'd have to be the gospel. The co there's I, no, I, I think there's a distinction between the nation of Israel and the church. There's no doubt about it. And so and it still but, is in Acts two. No, I think I I think that you're you're dealing with Jews who are getting the gospel, and uh, that's where the you're message has to go first to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. You're dealing with Jews. Now, let me ask you this today. Would you tell someone if the church started, if the body of Christ, let me say this, the church, there was a church here. They were added to this assembly. This was the little flock of Luke chapter number 12. It's that's the same speculation. That's, you can't, you can't actually make a link to that. I mean, Luke, you'd oh, have to sure. see in, huh? Sure you can. Okay, do it. Give, give me one second and I'll show you. In Acts 2.38, would you tell someone today, would you tell them Acts 2.38 to be saved? I don't have any problem with it. You would tell someone to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins and they'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? Well, I, I think you've got to take the whole message in context. I mean, he's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I think repentance is, is essential for salvation. I don't think you can be saved if you don't repent. He's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they say, well, because of that, what shall we do? Yeah, you got to repent. To repent and be, here, here's how you receive what he's been preaching. And that's my point, Josh. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The death, burial, and resurrection was in a mystery. Jesus had to do that because, listen, the sins of Israel and the kingdom are not going to be blotted out to the second coming. Peter literally preaches that in Acts 3. My sins and your sins, according to the mystery, we've already been forgiven of all ours, but they're not. They had to endure to the end to be saved, did they not? No. I, they're... And, it, there's a lot of people who didn't aren't going to endure to the end in the tribulation period that are still going to be saved. So it hasn't happened yet. But remember, but that's what we, the reference is. To. Don't listen to me. We know the tribulation hadn't happened. They don't know that in Acts two. Yeah, you're right. They're going to buy exactly what Jesus told them. But he what, that shall endure to the end shall be saved. Repent and be baptized. That's the same message that John the Baptist preached. And I would never ever tell anyone. Listen to me. I, I just believe this wholeheartedly. You can't be saved in Acts two, verse thirty-eight. Well, and I would disagree with it because I think that I, I think that the Church of Christ has stolen Acts two thirty-eight to make it a boogeyman. You think that the baptism Christ would have to be a part of salvation here? The Church of Christ is reading the Bible, and I'll give them credit. They're lit, they're letting the verse say exactly what it says. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're they're not. That what, when they say repent and be baptized, that Greek word and is ice. There's no way that you can make there's there's two possible meanings for it. You can either take the connection that it's actually in order to be saved or you can take it that it's because of your salvation. There's and that's that, that's exactly what the commentaries tell you. But that's complete opposite of what it says. There's two ways to take it. I mean, you can either but if you take the consistent 
the consistent usage of baptism throughout the entire Bible, it is never linked to salvation, and it was always associated with a Jew. Yes, and by them repent of killing their Messiah, be baptized. Why are they going to be baptized? Because that was a Jewish rite, because they are going to be a kingdom of priests, and that was an absolute necessity. Repent be baptized for the remission of sins. We do not repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. However you want to slice that, that is simply not our gospel. And that's why the Church of Christ, they love that one. And no wonder they also love Mark, Mark chapter number 16. You know why? Because they are not rightly dividing the it's Scriptures. It's the same issue in Mark 16 as it is here. So I would agree with you. There's, if, if you make it out that the gospel requires the work of baptism in order to be saved, water baptism, I, but that's not what I'm saying. What gospel are we talking about? We're talking, we're, talking about, about, we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom right here. No, we're talking about the gospel of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which was just preached in the same chapter, which was just revealed to the apostles after the resurrection of Christ. It's the same message. It's not the same message because he tells them, repent, be baptized for the mission of sin. Jesus told the man to sell everything he had, give it to the poor. Let's continue reading because you're going to find that again right here. He says, and then... They that gladly received his word were baptized the same day they were added. To, they were added. They were added to the there church was that was already in existence in Acts chapter number two. I agree with you. It was that it was that kingdom group of believers, Peter and the others. I and it says there were about three thousand souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles. Well, that's the twelve apostles. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and then the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread from house to house. And do um, you see it right here? They are continuing in the temple, and you keep reading through here, and you'll find the exact same thing is going on. No, you are not going to find a Gentile being saved by only believing in the death, burial, and resurrection for eternal life, and that alone without Israel. You can't find it. You cannot find it in the first, let's say, nine, probably even later than that. I would argue later than that. You won't find it in the, in the book of Acts up to that point because it wasn't for them. They're still not, Israel's not converted. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to respond to that. We're at an hour and a half right now. And then I want to, if, if you have any questions for me, I'll, I'll do my best to answer them. But then I think it'd be good. We can go to closing statements and uh, wrap it up from there. But um, in, in response to to no Gentiles being founded. I, I do want to look at the nations that are listed in Acts chapter 2. And you, those of you who are listening, just think about this. It, do you really think that all of these people that are listed here in Acts chapter 2 are all Jews? I don't think that they are. It says in verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and they were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So you got a distinction here. Now let's get into uh, the distinctions of the other people who are here. How, how, And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? 
Perithians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the low uh, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes. Notice that's strangers and Jews, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Who are the strangers of Rome? Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and they were in doubt, saying to another, What means this? And uh, then you get Peter who gives the message about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then they answer their question, What are we going to do? Um, but I, I think that you've got um, something to seriously consider when you, when you make the statement that no Gentiles ever received the gospel message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Or really specifically you're saying that it's not a message about um, the same message as the, the Christian's message. Um, because I, I think that even more than that, we can look at Acts chapter 8. You've got the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch. An Ethiopian eunuch. He's not a Jew. Acts chapter 8. The guy gets the gospel by Philip. And he believes. And then he's baptized after he believes. But he believes what? He believes the gospel message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Here's what he believes. He says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why did he believe that? Because he heard the story of him being dead, buried, and rose again. Because he was reading in Isaiah chapter 53, and Philip explained to him, this is Jesus. Right. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. He literally says, he does not say, I believe his death, burial, and resurrection for immediate eternal life. Well, what do you think he, he says, believed? It says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay, and he's reading Isaiah 53. What's Isaiah 53 describing? He's talking about the Messiah. What specifically about the Messiah? About the Messiah, that he, he, would, he would come to the nation of Israel. For and the transgression what? of the people, was he stricken? He was smitten and afflicted. All these truths. I'm not saying... Josh, you, you keep getting held up on this death, burial, and resurrection thing like that, like that is a mystery. That is absolutely not a mystery. I'm not saying it's a mystery. Peter is already preaching that the death burial, death, burial, and resurrection took place, but he's still preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And read the gospel of John. That's the same thing that the Ethiopian eunuch believes. He believes that Jesus is the Christ. It, I have to believe today that Jesus is the Christ, but that's not enough to save me. I have to believe that he died for my sins, and he offers me a free gift of salvation. I can be saved today. I'm not looking to be saved in the future, but Josh, Israel absolutely was, and that's the only gospel that's being preached. And it's not that I don't think that Gentiles were there. You can't, where does Peter until Acts 10, you know what, when the, when, when, when the vision comes to Peter, and he shows up at the house of Cornelius, he flat out tells him, I'm not even supposed to be here because according to the law, he absolutely was not supposed to be there. Why in the world? Why in the world is he just now coming to a Gentile? If the church started back there, if the if the middle wall of partition and all can freely come by the death, burial and resurrection, you see eternal life. No works required, no giving everything you got, no keeping the commandments, uh, no water baptism. Why are they not doing it? There's none of them that are doing it. 
Um, what was the question? I'm, so this is what's tough about it, man. I've had a long day and, uh, um, but anyways, so I, I think that we can go to our closing statements and then, and then open it up to questions. But I, I, I think I, what was the question that you asked me? Um, I don't recall, uh, oh, find a, a, a Gentile that, that believes the gospel, the grace of God, um, that they don't have to do any work. Uh, to receive eternal life, that it's freely given uh, by grace. No water baptism, no uh, circumcision, no selling everything they have. Uh, find me where Gentiles are saved outside of Israel in the Gospels or anywhere else in the prophetic scriptures before the Apostle Paul. Okay. Um, do you want to do your closing statement first or you want me to? Yeah, I'll go ahead and do mine. That's fine since you went first at the beginning. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, and just a quick reminder in uh, Acts chapter number eight, verse number 27, about that Ethiopian eunuch, um, it says, uh, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of uh, all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Same way those in Acts chapter number two, it was on the day of Pentecost and they're preaching to those Gentiles are not coming to, um, excuse me, Gentiles are not coming up there, but Jews and proselytes come to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, the Gentiles wouldn't, not part of that. So, um, and then he believed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of God uh, there. But um, it's basically very simple. There's a difference between things that were spoken and things that were hid. Uh, they're mutually exclusive. Paul says that he received a revelation given directly to him. And um, that with that is the gospel, the grace of God, that Jews and Gentiles can be saved by grace through faith and that alone in the finished work of Christ. It's unprophesied. It's unsearchable uh, that we as Gentiles are in the same body. We're part of a new creature, uh, not replacing that of Israel, uh, not morphing them into something else, but we are a new creature, the one new man, the body of Christ. We do not have covenants. We're not under the law. We are not under any of these things. We're completely and solely under grace. And Jesus in his earthly ministry, he ministered according to what he says in numerous accounts, he came to Israel, and he had to do that in accordance to the prophetic program. You go through the early parts of Acts, that's the same thing that they're doing. They're not ministering to Gentiles, they're going to Jews only. They're going to the Jew first, and that alone. And it's not until Paul, uh, that our apostle, Romans chapter number 11, he's our apostle, um, speaking of that, why wouldn't Jesus just call out one of the 12 to go and do this? He called out a, uh, a, a new man to start something new. And I would say this too, Josh, Paul says in his testimony that he was a blasphemer. Um, it says, according to the gospel of the kingdom, that you must seek him and you will find him. Jesus came to, he said, I'm going to seek and save those that are lost, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul was a blasphemer. And Jesus said, all manner of blasphemy shall not be forgiven. 
And now Paul is not seeking Christ. Matter of fact, he's going to lock up kingdom believers, those that believed in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But Paul receives grace and mercy undeserved. He wasn't seeking. He wasn't uh, doing anything to get in a righteous standing with God. But God uh, saved him. And as a pattern for you and I, and was, and I'm not, I don't make it a point to quote Greek or any of that stuff, but I will say this, the word chief there in first in first uh, Timothy 15, 16 is the word protos. It's your prototype. That's your first, that's your pattern. You're building anything. You, you, you go with the pattern. You go with the first. And so Paul is the first member of the body of Christ. The 12 were not in there. The 12 never ministered to them. Uh, they had a separate ministry. They preached the gospel of the kingdom. There's more than one gospel in the Bible. And uh, our gospel today is to believe only on the death, burial, and resurrection as our full payment for sin, and we can receive salvation then. We're not waiting to have our sins be blotted out like Peter preached in Acts chapter number three. But we have it today, full and free, through the gospel. And, and Paul received that from Jesus Christ from heaven, not Jesus Christ according to the earthly ministry. Paul was not taught it by the 12. He didn't receive it of them. He didn't go to Jerusalem, but he got his dispensation directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. And in closing, I'll say this. I've said this before. No, nobody has a problem by saying that Abraham got a direct revelation of God and it was a complete game changer. Nobody before uh, would say that the nation of Israel existed before Abraham. Nobody would say that uh, the dispensation of human government, if you want to call it that, existed before Noah. Nobody would say that the dispensation of law existed before Moses. But yet we come to the dispensation of the grace of God, and it actually says it was given to Paul. And yet time and time again, we see people that say, no, he just, he just got further revelation. It was already going on. Uh, he just got uh, more information. The other ones, they, they, did, they were in it, but they didn't know about it. I just wholeheartedly believe that flies in the face of Scripture. And uh, by not adhering to Pauline truth, the church has been in an absolute mess. You, that's why you have tons of denominations. That's why you have people that believe you got to be uh, water baptized to be saved because they quote the Bible. That's why people that say you have to endure to the end to be saved. Uh, that's why people think that you have to uh, repent of all your sins to be saved and, and sell everything that you have, forsake all these things. But yet none of them actually do it because they do not rightly divide the word of truth. So um, I would say that get in the Bible, um, understand who Jesus was ministered to in his earthly ministry. The Jews rejected him, they crucified him, the offer of the kingdom was still given in, in God's long suffering. And they rejected that in early Acts. God set them aside and then he revealed to the Apostle Paul this mystery that you and I live in. And this mystery age is going to be over with the catching away of the body of Christ. And then what is Jesus going to do? He's going to pick right back up with the nation of Israel. And so today is the day of salvation. If someone wants free grace, they're going to have to get it today in the day that you and I live in. Because in the future, there will be an element of works. It will be grace. Anything God does is gracious. Noah found grace, but he made Noah prove his faith by doing something. We come to it not by works of righteousness, which we have done, 
we come to it, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That is a unprophesied message, and it's why we glory. Paul's the only one, the first one, to glory in the cross. Peter preached um, the crucifixion as a murder indictment. You killed, you murdered the prince of life. Paul says we glory in the cross. That's a mystery, a dispensational change that was given to our apostle for you and I. Um, thanks again, Pastor Drew Elrod, for coming on. It's been good, man. Part two, um, getting into the red letters of Christ and the four gospels. Guys, for those of you who are still viewing live, if you want to ask a question, I would uh, try to get that together right now. I'll be able to see what those are. And uh, while I'm doing my closing, if you want to type it in in uh, the message, I should be able to see it and uh, we'll close it out that way. But I'd like to just sum it up this way, guys. We've said a lot tonight um, about the gospel. We've said a lot about uh, different dispensations. We've said a lot about the a lot different mysteries, um, what the what the apostles knew, what Paul knew, what was revealed to Paul, what was revealed to the apostles. I think that you've seen both sides of it. I take the position that there's been one gospel throughout the entire uh, Bible, and uh, that it's it's gradually been given more revelation. As, as you go throughout the Bible, I think it started in the garden with Adam and Eve uh, when God covered their, their nakedness. And then I think it moved in into uh, Noah and he built the ark moving by faith and, and him and his family got into it, a picture of Christ and, and us walking into the ark of the protection of Christ um, as protection from the wrath of God for sin. I, I think that you've got a picture um, of the gospel throughout the entire Bible. I think it's, I think it's so consistent. I think it's so consistent. And when, when I talk about the, the gospel, I'm not saying that the gospel is not present throughout the entire Bible. And in fact, I'm saying that the same gospel that we are preaching today is no different. It's the same gospel throughout the entire Bible that when, when we're looking at uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, to take the position that this guy was didn't hear, did not hear of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and believing that he is the Son of God meant that he believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and recognizing he is the Son of God. I think I think that's a far stretch. I think it's a, it's a really far stretch. And I think that um, you can overly divide the Bible and I think it gets you into trouble. I think that uh, Matthew 5 it isn't an intention uh, with the Sermon on the Mount to show you how to earn your own righteousness. I don't think Jesus has ever taught anybody Here's how you earn your way to heaven. He's, he's never done that. In fact, he always told you that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. It, Jesus didn't contradict himself. Paul didn't contradict Paul. Uh, Paul didn't contradict Peter. He didn't contradict the other apostles. They were all in unison, uh, preaching the same gospel message. Uh, it, it, was, it was told that they were supposed to go to the Jew first and then the Gentiles, and that's exactly what they did starting in the book of Acts. It started in, in uh, Jerusalem. And, and it worked its way out, and it even says in Acts chapter 8, in the middle of the chapter, um, that after Simon got saved, they heard that the gospel was preached in Samaria and in Gaza. That's not, that's not a Jewish nation. That's, those are, those are Syria and yeah. Gaza. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but I, I think that's the whole point. If you guys can take one thing away, if you lose, if you lose the fact that Jesus Christ 
has has given us the whole gospel of John that we can have eternal life, which it says in John chapter 20 that these things were written unto you that you might believe and that believing you might have life and life eternal. I mean, it just blows my mind that we can take the position that you can't believe the words of Jesus Christ within the Gospels to be saved today. Jesus didn't teach anything in contradiction to what um, uh, what faith was in him to bring eternal life. So I, I think that those are some very serious things to consider. The other things about as far as the uh, when the church started, I mean, Paul even wrote in Romans 16.5 that uh, there were other people in Christ before him. So um, I, I don't have any problem with that. I think there's a lot of things that we've broken down tonight that we could address further. Uh, and perhaps we'll, you know, if we ever do something like this again, we could just pick one topic, nail it down, hammer it out, and go from there. But guys, I want to leave it to you. If anybody has any questions, um, let's see what we got. If anybody does, if not, then we will close it out and go from there. Let's see. Oh, hey, Jonathan Lombardi says, what did Paul mean in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, uh, when he said, Be followers of me, even as I am of Christ? Uh, I, would, I would say that he meant exactly what he said. He was a follower of Christ. And, and uh, when not just a follower of Christ after Jesus revealed himself to him, I, 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 think, that, I, I think that Paul became a follower of Christ in, in following what Christ taught. Um, specifically to him, but specifically also what he had already had within the Gospels. Um, so anyways, that would be my take. What's your take on that, Pastor Elrod? Uh, mine, mine would be the exact opposite. Uh, Paul's saying you need to follow me now. You, you don't need to follow the Twelve, and uh, you don't even follow Jesus Christ according to his earthly ministry. He actually talks about that in Second Corinthians chapter number 5. He's talking about following in his manner of doctrine and, and, and the things that, that God was giving him. Second Corinthians chapter number five. This is an interesting passage, Josh, and I'll, I'll leave this with you so you can chew on a little bit. It says, um, says, and they that, uh, and that he died for all that they which should live, uh, that, uh, excuse me, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth Know we him no more. Um, this is exactly boils down to what we've talked to um, tonight, that we don't know Christ after the flesh. After Now, this is not talking about um, what Paul received from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, that was Jesus Christ according to the flesh. We follow Christ according to his heavenly ministry and what he gave to the Apostle Paul. So Paul says, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. He says in one place, uh, consider what I say and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Uh, so he is our apostle. He says that in Romans chapter number 11, he is the apostle to the Gentiles. Um, I'll respond to that real quick. I think there were two things that um, are pretty big assumptions that are are really big leaps to take there. One would be that uh, Paul has drawn a distinction that you should follow Paul instead of Christ, but in, in fact he's drawn a comparison that you should be a follower of Paul as he is of Christ. receives the revelation from Christ. You see, that, that's where a lot of people get messed up. You think, well, you make too much of Paul. No, Paul was receiving the revelation directly from Jesus Christ. I didn't receive the revelation. Paul did. I just do what Christ said through the Apostle Paul. 
Well, I would agree with that, but I would also, I would also say that the other apostles, as 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 I mentioned earlier, that that they received the revelation from from the Spirit. They didn't receive it of men either, and they had they had the revelation of the mystery of the body revealed to them as well. Um, but I so I don't see a contradiction there. But the other the other aspect of that, what was the last part? Second um, Corinthians five. You said, uh, what was that last part that you said? Uh, we don't know Christ after the oh, flame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that um, the assumption is that um, not knowing Christ after the flesh is uh, is saying that we don't follow what Christ taught while He was in the flesh. So I, I think that you've you've really got to take a leap there to say that's what it's saying. I think Josh, it's saying, like, "Hey, we're not." I, what was that? Jesus Christ in the flesh again told that man to sell everything he had. He told him, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Uh, he told him not to go to Gentiles. He told him uh, multitudes of stuff. So do you practice those things? I think they're, I, I think they're good principles. I think that, uh, like I said earlier, when, it, when he's talking about the message in answering this guy's question about how can he earn eternal life, he's literally telling this guy, there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. In fact, Jesus goes on. I mean, do you think Jesus was contradicting himself when he said that he is the only way, the truth, the life, that no one comes to the Father but through him? And in the same breath, he would tell a rich young ruler, yeah, you can actually get there without me. The rich young ruler had to exercise faith in that the gospel of the kingdom that God's going to provide for him. That's what he was. He would have to exercise faith to believe that. And Peter literally says, yeah, we've done that. You know what he told him? Yes, you have. And guess what you're going to get? You're going to reign. You're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Josh, let me ask you a question. In the body of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, correct? That's right. Now, how in the world are the 12 going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel in the kingdom if there's no distinction in the body of Christ? But yet the 12 apparently, allegedly, are in the body of Christ. Um, well, I, w I would say this, that we're actually made partakers of the promises that, that we're actually going to reign with Christ as well. Now, they're going to have 12 thrones. That doesn't mean that we're not either. Judging the 12 tribes of Israel? Well, okay, so they'll, so their ministry was obviously going to be to the nation of Israel. Um, I don't have, I, I don't see any, I, I think that's a part of their inheritance. I don't think it, I, I don't know what the connection is to, um, to the body of Christ, how that would be a contradiction that they can't reign over the 12 tribes of Israel if, if they're part of the church. I don't, I don't see why you would think that. Because in the body of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. But that, so that doesn't mean there's going to be no ethnic Jews or Gentiles in the millennium when they're actually reigning? The body of Christ is going to be reigning in heavenly places. They're going to be on 12 thrones on planet Earth judging the 12 tribes of Israel. On Earth, Jesus sitting in Jerusalem, judging the nations with a rod of iron. All what the prophets have spoke about, that was the promise that was given to the 12, and that is what Jesus was talking about in the red letters. That's, that sums up our, our whole uh, discussion. I wanted to get there earlier, but... Um, well, I agree with that, but I don't think that's a contradiction to us reigning with him as well. And I think, I mean, where do you think we're reigning at? I mean, we're in heavenly places. What does that mean? In heavenly places. Okay, well, what are we reigning over? Not on planet Earth. In the beginning, God created what? The heaven and the 
earth. He's got a plan to redeem both of them. Well, I, I understand that, but his yeah, kingdom starts on earth and it moves out from there. I, 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 I don't have, I'm not saying, I'm not acting like I don't know what, what the plan is. Isaiah nine, six. I, I mean, I, there's what I'm, what I'm saying is when, when we're comparing what the, the, the Jews or the apostles reign is going to be over the, the nation of Israel and us reigning with Christ. I, I just don't see how you can make, make a distinction that just because they're reigning over the nation of Israel that they couldn't have been in the body of Christ. I don't know how you can prove that from Scripture. Like, you can't be in the body of Christ if you're going to reign over the nation of Israel. I mean, we're, I don't know where you get that. But No, well, let, 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 I'm, going to, I'm going to press you on that for a second. So you're saying today there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile in the body of Christ. But in eternity, there will be another distinction between Jew and Gentile. No, I think that what when 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 you're talking about the nation of Israel, it's a corporate nation. You're not talking about a salvific plan that these people are going to be reigning over some salvific. I, it, I, I don't think anybody's going to get saved outside of the of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in the millennium either. I don't think anybody's going to be earning their salvation in the millennium. I don't think that anybody ever has earned their salvation. Um, and so that's really the position that you would have to take that I would ask you. But anyway... No. No, I don't. No, nobody's ever earned their salvation, but God has dealt with man, with mankind in different ways. That is clear in the Bible, very clear. And so they're not earning. God's gracious to tell us anything, but when He tells man something, He demands mankind do what He said to do. Just like Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ did not mean exactly what He said in Matthew 19 then I don't know any part of the Bible that we can believe. But that's exactly what he said. And so this is the promise that's given to these men. They're not going to be in the, they're not in the body of Christ. They're yeah. expecting a rule on planet earth. And Jesus says, you will be on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I'm not in a tribe. You're not in a tribe. James chapter number one to the 12 tribes. That's who he's ministering to. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, to the strangers that are scattered. Where are they scattered? Who are the only people that's been scattered? It's the Jews. And so this is, uh, and here's, here's my concern. When you take a, if you want to call it classic dispensationalism, I think it's very, um, not very consistent in the sense of it's going to naturally lead. When you start pushing these things, it's going to naturally lead to a form of replacement theology. It's going to lead to a form of covenant theology. If you think that, that Adam believed the same thing that I believe and Noah believed the same thing he believed, that's covenant theology. And then and essentially they would say, well, Adam was in the body of Christ and Noah's in the body of Christ and Moses is in the body of Christ. Uh, the scriptures, I just don't believe, is, is on that side uh, to where understanding is a mystery. It's a new creature. Uh, it's neither Jew nor Gentile. You can't find that anywhere else except in Paul's epistles. It's not there. Um, hey man, I, I think that's a good place to end. We've, <laughs> I think we've been going for two hours. So, um, anyways, thank you again for coming on and, uh, maybe we can connect soon and, and do a follow up or something. I don't know, but I, you know what, that, this is, this is, this is good guys. I mean, this is really why we have established this channel to have these conversations. So once again, Pastor Allrod, thanks again for coming on, man. Thank you, Josh. Enjoyed it. All right, we'll talk to you later. And uh, guys, I think that was, I mean, oh, it's late. I've 
worked like, I don't know, I think 13 hours today. I didn't get lunch, I didn't eat dinner, I'm tired, my brain is not working that great, so I apologize if I didn't. <laughs> I, I just am not comprehending stuff right now. I'm tired, it is what it is, but um, I think we've got yeah, Randy White coming up here pretty soon that we should be, I think it's the second week of July. I'm probably not going to do anything 4th of July week. Uh, but after that, we'll be Randy White. We'll be talking dispensationalism as well. And it uh, should be good. So stay tuned, subscribe, like, share, all that fun stuff. And uh, hope it's a blessing to you. Later. <laughs>